Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Before we get to our top story, I want to tell people there's been so much going on and we've accelerated so much to get to the holiday break that I haven't been telling people that we have the crypto continued part two of our patron saint Zoom party. It's going to be this Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And one of the guys who was on it last time who I think he's in the business, but he's pretty much an expert in all things crypto. A lot of people know a lot of stuff about crypto, and there are plenty of those people there. But he decided or agreed to give us basically a 20-minute crypto 101 overview to launch the conversation. And then all of us, I already have some of my questions teed up for him. Then all the patron saints who are there on the call will be able to have one-on-one with him and the other uh, crypto savvy people there so if you want to be a part of that you can become a patron saint for just one month go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and while you're there you can get all of the back stuff that we've had xr interviews all the dnb xrs um all our patron only q a is just all of our premium material you can go back and so even if you just do it for a month that'll be cool but that is just for all you patron saints out there it is saturday midday 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern and uh it's going to be kind of a new format or at least a try and i will say that there's probably a little higher level of interest in crypto even today after elon musk announced that they would be accepting dogecoin at tesla which sent dogecoin up a bit and man was it a roller coaster ride in crypto <laughs> the past couple of days after that a thousand up 500 down a thousand wow up. they i thought they said 40 percent it increased dogecoin uh, like immediately upon his it announcement yeah. it did not no, it did. It, it, it shot did. up. It did. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, if you're if you've got the hang of the ups and downs, you can speculate. Of course, I'm going to be asking questions about <laughs> why why it's considered a store of value. I think I have my answer, but I'm really interested in Daniel's answer. So I so that's that's coming up. We have actually a lot of cool things coming up. We have a patron saint. No, a patron only live stream tomorrow night so if you're a patron you can hear about it in the xr today but here is let's just get on to the first top story the first big story today i was really floored that liz cheney i don't know what kind of psyop she's running but given who her father is and what he's all about it's definitely a psyop or whatever it's it's probably just pure unadulterated pragmatic politics and maybe it's one of those times where like JFK, his dad said, hey, if you want to be part of the future, you become a Democrat. Maybe that's her mantra now. But it was what shocked me was her words that I heard them play on Fox News, where she said, quote, there has been no stronger case in our nation's history for a congressional investigation into the actions of a former president. And I'll tell you right now, the really key word there is former because I immediately thought of LBJ. Did you ever hear of what LBJ was all about and what was happening right before JFK got assassinated? Was he plotting to get JFK out of there? Well, they had a tremendous rivalry, but if somebody was plotting to kill JFK, I wouldn't be surprised if LBJ was in on it because of what happened 
as a result of that assassination, not only did LBJ achieve his goal of being president, but there had been an investigation ready to go big and go public and may even have gotten LBJ off the ticket as running mate the next round when JFK was going to be up for re-election. And it had to do with a guy named Bobby Baker. He was a big fixer. He was corrupt. He was all this kind of stuff. He was investigated for his politics and business activities, but LBJ was dropped from the investigation after JFK was assassinated. And it was going to be a big thing, a big thing. I think there was a Actually, if I recall correctly, there was a massive expose ready to go in Life magazine written, I think maybe by Harry Truman or some, this is, this now I'm going on memory, but it was some former big shot had it ready to go and they didn't do it because of the guy was now the president. But there was another case that came out more recently, very recently, actually, there was a guy who was killed um, uh, so there was a guy who went to jail, Billy Sol Estes, who went to jail for some kind of, he was a con man and he was related to LBJ. Like he had business dealings with LBJ. This guy went up the river and he said when he was released from prison on like fraud charges, he told a grand jury that Marshall and, uh, a a guy who was killed back in 1961, that he had killed him on orders from the then Vice President Johnson. Now, this is a story that really has stood the test of time. People do feel confident that LBJ had something to do with that. So if any former president should be investigated, I would say it would be LBJ. But he should have been investigated while he was president. That's the only thing. Yeah. But anytime like people said, oh, Hillary would be the most corrupt president of all time, like, no, 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 LBJ. But like the stuff that guy did really makes anything that these guys these days do pale in comparison. But of course, I think that absolutely everything they're saying happened on January 6th is made up. So that is what I think. So I don't. (laughs) So Liz Cheney probably is completely indifferent to whether it's true or not. And this is a pure political play, but. Yeah, I love the story today about how Mark Meadows got the text or got the email or the phone call saying, somebody tell Trump to stop, how Trump's kids were trying to contact people saying, tell the president to make them stop or tell them to stop. And that was all this damning evidence when Trump did tell them to stop at one point. So Tell them so, to stop what, though? To Going cool up it, to into go the home. Capitol. Yeah, so once it breached the Capitol. He came out and he gave that statement saying, go home or whatever. And this is like this horrible evidence. And you see it on CNN where it's the most damning evidence ever. Then you see it on Fox and it's like the most ridiculous evidence ever. It's it's, it's evidence that Trump did try and get them to stop. So it doesn't matter what comes out or what is revealed. People's minds have been made up. This was all part of that. The Mark Meadows thing. That's when Liz Cheney said this. Meadows is in contempt and yada, yada, yada. What does she have to gain? Is she appealing to a voter base? What is she doing? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I assume she's got something to gain. I mean, or an elite I base, perhaps with deep uh, pockets. Yeah. yeah. Dick Cheney was the one. We have a great. We have, I have two great clips on the CFR. One where Hillary says, "I'm so glad the CFR opened an office in D.C. Now I don't have to go to the mothership in New York to get my marching orders." 
Yeah. And then Cheney, who was at a CFR meeting, he said, I have been a member of the CFR for decades. Don't tell my voters in Wisconsin that or Wyoming or whatever. He's yeah, don't tell them that. But now that's <laughs> OK. They wear that as a badge of honor at this point. I know Stacey yeah, Abrams because, seems to. Because voters are Q heads and shouldn't be trusted. So we should be so lucky as to have a power elite who understands the nuances of world control (laughs) to control the world because they do such a great job. In the January 6th thing, there was an article today. We've been talking a little bit about how social media has been used to sentence some of these guys. We've been going through a case every now and then. They always seem to lean, the judge seems to lean on what the person said or did before and often after on social media to determine what their sentence is. And prosecutors are urging judges to do that. Well, the AP has kind of verified that this is going on today with a story titled Capital Rioters social media post influencing sentencings and it illustrates how prosecutors and judges have leaned on posts unearthed from the defendant's own social media accounts when it comes to that sentencing it opens with for many rioters who stormed the u.s capitol self-incriminating messages photos and videos that they broadcast on social media before during and after the insurrection are influencing their sentence and they say the biggest takeaway is how large a role social media has played with much of the most damning evidence coming from the rioters' own words and videos. And the FBI agents we know have been scouring social media. They have the sedition hunters that are going there and sending tips to social to FBI. And FBI is actually subpoenaing records. They're getting warrants to check people's social media accounts. And one example they give of a judge using the sentencing, this is Judge Amy Jackson, in a district court judge. She read aloud some of the social media posts that one of the defendants made during the sentencing when she sentenced him for 30 days. And she read, Overall, I had fun, LOL. That's what the guy posted on his page. Overall, I had fun, LOL. And here's what the judge told this guy. She said that his post made it extraordinarily difficult for her to show him leniency. The LOL particularly struck in my, stuck in my crawl because, as I hope you've come to understand, nothing about January 6th was very funny. So he put LOL, I had fun, and got a stricter sentence from this activist judge. But it was fun because it wasn't what she is saying it was. Like, that's not in evidence. 30 days in jail for an LOL is what we're getting down to. But I just, I would like to see their evidence. I've seen some of those videos, but, but they look staged to me. that's the evidence. The LOL on social media is right. what is that's being... Right, that's the thing. It's, it's clown world. It is absolutely crazy. And I'll tell you... It was William of England on History Homos the other day who was saying, like, he thinks that they're having fun. And I know this isn't news to you, but it's just it it isn't it isn't kind of a far fetched theory that they are really gaslighting people who think clearly. And both with the Vax thing, he said there was something about like a party on Downing Street that didn't really happen, but it got like the truthers up in arms. And here, too, like it's it's so these things that absolutely defy logic are enough to make us crazy. And it does make us crazy. And it's and we spend time on it. Yeah. And the LOL gets you 30 days. But what is a mental health judgment gets you and that has been happening in these cases as well this one guy named Felipe Marquez he a judge 
found his social media post to demonstrate that the guy had serious mental health issues because in his on his social media post he is rapping about January 6 saying it wasn't me you know the the song it wasn't me. He was doing that, except saying he didn't do anything at the Capitol. So that got him a mental health determination, and he is now locked up in a mental health place indefinitely, I guess. Well, some people might even go for the mental health thing on purpose because it'll get them off easier. But for the same reason that Uncle Ted wouldn't do that, Ted Kaczynski wouldn't do it because he didn't. Want, he said, I'm, I'm right. I don't want to say that I have mental illness because then you get to discredit everything I said and thought. And likewise, if they get enough people to voluntarily say they have mental illness, they get to paint people as mentally ill. That's something I want to talk about a little bit in the last and Therefore justify story. locking them up in a <laughs> mental health facility. That, that too, but it'll, it'll, yes, but it discredits everyone then. Yeah, that's true. And it discredits Q, it discredits right. Garland, yeah, it discredits yeah, you get enough everyone. people to say that this is a sign of mental illness, and then the other people who say it isn't, well, everybody else says it is. Right. Okay, so there's a study that came out that has proven what what continues to be proven over and over again out of the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. They've added to this growing body of evidence that suggests that transfusions of young blood may hold the key to preventing age-related diseases. And in their experiments, they gave older mice transfusions of these certain proteins and blood plasma from the, their youthful peers, and it regenerated their muscles. They collected the serums from the young mice, injected the young blood into the aging mice, and injured muscles in the aging mice regenerated and recovered their youthful function. Those receiving a placebo treatment remained frail. Was there any long-term, did it have a long-term benefit or did it wear off, does it say? Well, good question. There are these things that transfer that help this mediate, that help this process of rejuvenating it. And they are called EVs, extracellular vessels. And they circulate back. Are they exosomes? I don't know if they're exosomes, but I think you're going to know where this is going when I I tell you what they do. They deliver genetic instructions to longevity proteins known as clotho. And the more of these EVs that you have when you're younger, the more rejuvenative qualities you have. And as you get older, you you lose them. And so you're less, you don't rejuvenate as well. But these EVs, they facilitate the regenerative process by delivering those genetic instructions of mRNA to the cells. This is an mRNA process going on. And one of the doctors in the study, they're really excited about how beneficial these EVs can be in boosting the regenerative capacity of muscles in older individuals. And one of the ideas they're excited about is engineering EVs with specific cargos so that they can dictate the responses of the target cells. This is where mRNA is going. The, the stuff that if you read about mRNA before COVID, if you could do like a time search, they talk about just this whole same process, this technology of engineering and speaking, communicating specifically to these different cells. They're going to be applying this to lots of different things. They're obviously going for the young blood. But they they injected whole blood into the muscles? Yeah. Well, they did a transfusion, a blood transfusion. Yeah. I, I just want that. 
You want the transfusion? Yeah, I keep telling people like if I they, don't know if you bring your own kid or they for, supply wonder, you with a kid. I wonder if a blood transfusion would help COVID. Well, they don't do the. Well, that's not the. I was going to say the antibody treatment, but that's not blood transfusion. That's just the. But treatment. the mono, they were using plasma. Yeah, from. Oh yeah. So when I went to give blood because I had the antibodies, they just wanted my plasma, and I can't give plasma. So because I just like go literally go into shock. It's such a. It's like called phoresis or something. Ugh, it's very creepy. But anyway. Uh, they were they were looking for that plasma, and I don't know if they were making monoclonal antibodies out of it or if they were uh, what they were doing with it. If they were just giving transfusions, but my brother got it when he had COVID, and it was like a four hour process where they were putting blood into his stream, and he completely recovered very quickly. Then I know someone else who got it, but got it at the same time as uh, Run Death is near, and she got really really sick. Yeah, I see. I think it's a trial and error process and this whole thing with covid with a vaccine you know some people are in the camp where they're just trying to definitively kill a bunch of people i'm more along the lines of that they want this technology to be their gateway to transhumanism and they are testing it out on the broader public to see how it reacts to people's you know different unique types of bodies and their dna rna whatever and i think they're gathering data about it because they're trying to refine it for their own use i i don't think they necessarily care if they lose a bunch of people but i think that they are probably more trying to you know find the fountain of youth for themselves oh yes for sure and i have heard good things about using your own stem cells like they put it in they'll take it out of your something or other and maybe your bones or whatever and put it in your knees so yeah my mom wants that it's totally i think it's by this time pretty well established so instead of getting like a cortisone shot i don't know if i'm ready for that but i'm not getting a hip replacement anytime soon so i gotta do something maybe it'll work so actually i'm fine a little bone broth usually fixes my job rub a little bone broth on it turmeric oh my gosh turmeric is so powerful it's great for anti-inflammation and also it is it helps that people with a stroke blood brain breach stuff um look into the studies on turmeric wow so i'll just this is just a little quick hit up your alley i think in that you were pointing out how when everybody piles on, like with the gymnastics coach, Nasser, if everybody piles on, then it really dilutes the people who were primary victims or more victimized when they just have a class action suit. So I saw today that the U.S. Gymnastics and U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee and their insurers agreed to fund a $380 million settlement with victims of longtime national team physician Larry Nasser. I also found that that was on top of $500 million that Michigan State University paid. So note that most of those entities are funded by taxpayer dollars. Just so you know, it's almost a billion dollars. That's primarily taxpayer dollars. So it's and it ha- there's also non-monetary provisions to the settlements, which include uh, requirements for self-identified survivors. So no proof necessary to have official roles in U.S. gymnastics. But that could be a big number because uh, 200 and, according to a Michigan judge, 
uh, overseeing one of these cases in 2018, there were over 265 identified victims and an infinite number of victims of sexual misconduct. So he's obviously getting punished for stuff other people did. A self-identified uh, survivor. Right. I can't really get past that because that's right. just anybody Anybody come up, identify yourself as a survivor, and maybe you're an assistant coach on the Olympic team. Of that $500 million that Michigan gave out, 332 alleged victims are claiming it. And I think with this 380, it's, uh, I think, 150 or more than 140 uh, 150 victims are in that suit and more than 140 appeared on stage together at the Microsoft Theater in L.A. to receive the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage at an ESPY awards ceremony. That and, just yeah, minimizes real yes. victims. If, if okay. some, some if people really had bad stuff happen, there's somebody on the other end of the platform receiving that award who maybe got bumped up against her. Nothing happened to them at all. No, right. I think they'd be pretty ticked off about that. Or they are misinterpreting what actually happened. So he was charged with, I think, 22 counts against seven girls. And he... Uh, plead, plead, pled guilty ultimately to abusing seven girls. One of them, in one of the documents I read, like an FBI affidavit, one of them, young girl, faked her out. I don't know what he did, gave her a drug or put a blindfold on her or whatever, and apparently raped her and impregnated her. So she was a virgin, didn't even know what sex was basically, and she turned up pregnant. So this girl, I, hopefully she has a separate settlement because it looks like everybody maybe gets one or two million dollars, which isn't nothing. But if that if you're that girl and maybe cannot work normally or ever have a normal relationship, I would think she should get more. And I'm not diminishing the sexual abuse stuff, sexual harassment. I have been a victim of that kind of thing. And it is people don't believe you or it doesn't stop. And then the person who did it knows that there's nothing you can do because you said something and nobody cared. Like, it's not good. It's not a good situation. It's very damaging. Some people sometimes blow the whistle and then it's maybe a stepdad or something and it persists and then they're mad at you. You know, it's, it is a courageous thing. I don't want to take that away. But but this is like a moral hazard to just put it up there and say anybody can really sign up. Not even somebody named, not even somebody who had to swear an affidavit. Maybe they have to swear an affidavit. But I just I agree with you. If there's if there's almost a billion dollars on the table, I do hope that the people who are clearly incapacitated from having suffered the abuse get the kind of compensation that they might need to make up for that. And the culture right now is rewarding with playing it. the victim. So if you play the victim, you are rewarded from in one capacity there, or another, regardless, which also the, makes people think they're victims when maybe they're that, not. That is what he or his lawyer said. Like some of these people are being told that like that kind of an ex it was a gynecological exam or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't even think he was a gynecologist. Like that's the thing that's super effed up. Like they probably was anything he did do, but, but it's, it's hard for me to get my mind around there. 500 girls that he abused. And like it, it, no, it only came up much later. Like I just, I find it hard to believe that he abused every single solitary girl I had contact with. And basically. that's why the plea deals 
aren't good and the process is important, something that you always point out. I totally agree. And what really infuriated me was that a Michigan attorney promised a full investigation, the attorney general of Michigan, of how Nasser was able to abuse young women for decades. He was he promised a full investigation for that. And then after that time, the settlement came down. For all that money, it was the largest amount of money in history settled by a university for sexual abuse. Uh, And that AG's successor, a woman, actually, shortly thereafter announced that she was suspending the investigation. And I just I just wonder if their investigation would have turned up that there were 332 bona fide victims who suffered damages and should be included in that suit. My guess is when they went through the process in the beginning and identified the seven strongest cases to use against him, they eliminated a lot of those things, which really weren't provable. Yeah. And you know, there's definitely people that he probably did do that. Oh, to. real fucked. victims. No, what he did was super fucked up. I'm it's, just saying, no, I got you. People I... who aren't, uh, there should be some basis for evidence right. because yeah. those people will get, this is your point always. Right. Those people are going to get less. No, what he, he was screw over the real victims. There are levels of victimhood. There, yeah, there I is. Think the, the number one victim was like his friend and neighbor's daughter in her basement. Didn't even have anything to do with the gymnastics or with the, with the university. Yeah. Now he's bad, bad, bad. And that girl was very courageous. She was the one who came out and really blew the whistle, even though other people told her, no, no, he's very revered. He's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's terrible. The whole thing is terrible. The whole thing's terrible, you're right. Terrible. The whole process is terrible. <laughs> but it was the, a headline today, so I thought I would bring it up. Really, when you when you let the other people, the charlatans, come in and, and claim victim status, too, and really take that away, you're the person who is the real victim is getting screwed over again. But you're asking, yeah, you're asking them to as well. It's like the red flag laws. Well, they don't work. So we have to incentive, give people incentives to do it. And Or if you pay some cops for asset forfeiture before somebody's convicted to take their stuff away, you cannot do that. You cannot give people incentives to accuse others for crime or, you know, you just can't. It's not okay. Yeah. All right. Before we get to our last big story of the Free 30, where Monica wonders if this headline marks the beginning of the end for the vaccine mandates. I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is a CNN producer who has apparently taken a page out of Jeffrey Epstein's playbook and a bizarre update on the missing woman in California. And of course, a big thank you to the sponsor of today's show, Truth Smacks. Truth Smacks is a delicious and nutritious trail mix blend that will not only satisfy your visceral hunger, but your hunger for truth, knowledge, and empowerment as well. Each bag of Truth Smacks trail mix is mouthwateringly and supremely delicious and power-packed with vitamins, essential minerals, protein, and healthy fats. But what gives this trail mix its name is the Truth Smack that you, your friends, and loved ones will receive in reading the awesome quotes and the information that's printed on the packaging itself and they get a mega smack of truth by clicking on the QR code on the back. It's a very cool idea. What's more, this is the first ever trail mix infused with peppermint using 100% pure organic peppermint essential oil. 
Not a fan of peppermint? Well, that's not a problem. It comes in peppermint or original flavor. Both are supremely delicious and are available in 10-ounce or 16-ounce size or the smaller 3.5-ounce size, which is perfect for stocking stuffers. Use promo code Prop Report 10 and get 10% discount at checkout. Go to truesmacks.com and give the gift of truth to your family and friends this holiday. I have a few things to say. The peppermint thing is freaking genius. I was like, that's weird. That's not going to work. It's ridiculous. It's so good. And it smells out of this world. So it's perfect for stocking stuffers. I bought a whole bunch of them myself. And uh, it's it's bold because there are you get to choose your truth packaging. So straight up truth or flat truth. You're going to have to check that out on the website. It's very, very fun truth and interesting. Truth packaging is a cool idea. It's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, and it's so funny because you'll get that kind of stuff at Whole Foods where they like want to tell you something, you know, great quote or whatever, but it's always got like the whatever, woke, political, vegan, whatever. This is real profound truth stuff. You don't have to agree with it all, but it will definitely give you a little smack. And but what I love about it, the ingredients are just all just real things, whole things. It tastes like that. And it took me minutes to be like, what is different about this? And, and what it was, is like the nuts are raw. There's no like chemicals on it or anything. And just a couple of bites. And I, I really cannot eat regular, like the old commercial trail mix. Again, it's really good. Yeah. You can tell when something has that natural, fresh feel and taste to it and smell to it. It just, it's better. And I didn't read the other line that was right below the copy, which Monica, I think, was a note to herself. It says, holy F, this S is good. <laughs> that, was a, that was a note to you because I, <laughs> I just wanted to. It was actually a reminder to myself that I wanted to chime in because I was really enjoying it. Yeah, so, I can tell. I can tell. And my husband was annoyed because he loves trail mix. He hikes and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was supposed to save it for him, but he was traveling and I was going to save him a taste. And he was like, okay, so where's the trail mix? And I was like, oh, I ate it all. <laughs> Truthsmacks.com. Prop Report 10 is that discount code. If it's case sensitive, then that's a capital P and capital R on Prop and Report. And check us out on Patreon if you want to get this show ad free. 50 minutes of commercial-free DMBXR every time we do a DMB. We also have bonus content every single weekday, as I just mentioned. But we do Friday grab bags, interviews, early releases, guest appearances, patron-only Q&As, one-on-one access with Monica and me. Yes! All premium content for as little as $7 a month with more tiers offering live stream (laughs) interactive content with the two of us and the entire Propaganda Report Patreon community, which is highly interactive, engaging, funny, and very, very attractive. So check us out at (laughs) patreon.com slash propaganda report if you want to see all that sexiness. And now on to the final story of the free 30. Okay, so I've got a couple of things. I'll try to make it quick. Oh, wait, we have a little bit of time. So the headline is this big, big front page of the Wall Street Journal. Some hospitals drop COVID-19 vaccine mandates to ease labor shortages. So I'm thinking the sub headline was after a judge halted a Biden administration mandate for healthcare workers to get vaccinated, employers, including HCA and Tenet, have removed the requirement. Not anybody, everybody removed the requirement, but, but what it was based on was any hospital that took Medicare or Medicaid. But I think 
I don't know if you're required to take Medicare or Medicaid, but I think it's encouraged that you should, as a hospital, take Medicare or Medicaid. So we have this vicious circle where the government steals your money, gets votes to steal your money by the people they give your money to through Medicare and Medicaid. They cycle that through private hospitals and stuff. I've always objected to the Catholic Church involved in any way in using what I consider to be welfare money. It's not right. We the church has a lot of money. We give a lot of money to the church. They should discourage it. They should not encourage it. And now look what happens when you have that. I don't know how many Catholic, they might have a, something like this for abortion too. So you ha- if you get government money, you have to provide abortions. I don't know what the ins and outs are, but the fact is that the government absolutely uses its power, uses your money to exert power and influence over private institutions for political purposes. And in this case, just another way to line the pockets of big pharma, among other things. So it's never good. It's he who pays the piper calls the tune and as the government gives money to those hospitals they abuse their power absolute abuse of power you know jimmy savile seville yeah he used to fundraise or he used, his nonprofits would donate lots of money to hospitals because he wanted to get a halo effect and he wanted to get close to the children there because he could find more pool of victims and whenever somebody would say a nurse or a kid or whoever would say that they were going to or tell on him, or he would do something. He would say, "Don't you tell anybody because I would hate to see you guys lose all of this money you're getting from my nonprofit, which they came to depend." Wow, wow. Yeah, they that's weaponized really those sick. things. Yeah, that's really sick. A couple more items. One is that the CDC says thirty percent of workers at more than two thousand hospitals are unvaccinated. That's a very high number, like or higher than you would that that you can't account for that because you're some kind of dumbass Q head like you know like I'm I'm not calling I'm just saying that's what they want to say like they think God's going to save them these are nurses they are they're not doing it because they think God's going to save them they're doing it because they don't want to get the vaccine for because of their own judgment uh, but they but there was something in the article that I wanted to kind of debunk it says or call attention to it says a study published Wednesday in the New England Journal of Medicine found that COVID-19 cases and deaths were higher among residents of nursing homes with the lowest rates of staff vaccination okay so more deaths are in places with fewer vaccinations it says researchers found that during the summer of 2021 4,700 COVID cases and 700 nursing home deaths from the illness could have been prevented if the staff had higher vaccination rates. I will tell you, it took me a second. I was like, there's something wrong with this study. What is it? Here's what's wrong with the study. It doesn't take into account temporal effects. So in places that had high death rates in nursing homes last year, those, those nursing homes have lower death rates now. They absolutely do. Uh, I was just on a Union of the Unwanted, and the guest was Peter McCullough. Wow. Dr. Peter McCullough. Wow. It was really... uh, I had to not be awestruck because I needed to ask some questions, but I would have otherwise been. So he, he was saying that you just... You don't get it twice. He said they can say that they do, but there aren't bona fide cases of that. And you, if you did, then we would see the people in nursing homes continuing to get it over and over again, but they don't. They either survived or they died, but they're not getting it again. So if you take, say, New York, for example, that had an unbelievably, or New Jersey, an unbelievably high rate of nursing home deaths last year, those are also the places that have high vaccination 
rates, either because of mandate as a result of that or because people were scared because of the deaths. So I think there's a very high correlation among nursing homes that had a high death rate last year and have a low death rate now and staff that has a high vaccination rate now having absolutely nothing to do with the vaccines preventing the deaths. And it's a bad study, and it reminds me of why that Nobel economist from this year who says just don't do like good studies, just troll through data to find what you're looking for and use that to justify policy. And I have a... Yeah, that's exactly what they do. That's what he said. And then I have this, uh, my the punchline here was, and this is... I have a story to tell about an old friend from Europe I talked to over the weekend, so I'll bring that to the XR. It's pertinent to this, but before we go, I'll just give you what I would call the money shot on this, which is the World Health Organization has cautioned against vaccine mandates. So this is this is why, and it's very clear why, and they admit it openly, and it's just one of those examples where if they write it in a way that seems nice, like that that CIA chick who works for Facebook yeah, that was on your you say CFR horrible call. things and like if a they nice say sweet... it, like you know we don't want to kill those people but they're just not even really people I mean Q really so it's just Q yeah, they, guys yes they're yeah but it says so the World Health Organization is cautioned against vaccine mandates because of their p- potential impact on public confidence and public trust not in any way because you have no effing right to do it okay <laughs> Dr. Klug the World Health Organization's Europe director Dr. said- Dr. Klug, is that his name? K-L-U-G, Kluge is what it would be. Yeah. Dr. Hans Kluge. <laughs> okay, Europe director said they should be used as, quote, an absolute last resort. Okay, so the mandates are an absolute last resort and only applicable when all other feasible options to improve vaccine uptake have been exhausted. We've been observing that. They're even to the point where they're bluffing. And then the vaccines get the mandates get pulled down, but not until some people actually have complied. And then he goes on to say we should consider that where vaccines become mandatory, there will need to be controls and that could further undermine institutional trust. So we're going to have to crack some heads and uh, then we might have even more of a problem on our hands. So push them as far as they'll go before you have to start cracking their heads. Push, push, push and only crack heads when there's nothing left to do. It's like part of a conditioning process where they're just trying to get people in that routine because oh, yeah. the mandates can't stick oh. and hope that it'll outlast uh, whatever, however long they want people to do it for. I have some responses to what you're talking about, which I will give you in the XR. Thank you guys for uh, listening today. Thank you, Monica, for your news and insights. We will talk to you guys next time. You can find us on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. And... We drop a show every single afternoon, so check us out. We will talk to you next time or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Share the show Tuesday. Share the show Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>